You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. I want to look at that honeysuckle that's in my backyard, and it perfumes my whole house. It, it makes, when I wake up, it's like, what, what, ha- what happened? What, ha- what happened to my life? I think we put... I think we put the air conditioner in too soon last year. Maybe like the end of May was super hot and, you know, Gwyneth's birthday is in the end of May and she probably convinced me for her birthday to put in the air conditioner. But what, but what it, well, that's because, because the freshness of this May has been so great that the honeysuckles are just dancing all in my nose. And it is just so amazing to be alive with this honeysuckle that I just took that picture this morning. Yo, but remember Lent? Remember that? That was hard. We were, we were, we were ruminating on other things. We were, we were getting in touch with our suffering. We were saying, we need to feel it. That's what we were saying around here. Um, it was human practice. We, we, we were spending uh, all of March and April, April meditating on, on Jesus' observation of our humanity. And we were like lifting up all the covers and letting light shine in. The doors were open. The windows were open, but it was cold. And, 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 and the, the things that we found there were not as beautiful as honeysuckle. So, but we wanted to open up all those doors of connection that are inside of us. We, we, were, we were focusing on when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because we thought there's a lot of, what, what does it mean to be a human being? There's a lot there. I'm, I'm all these things. And we were opening ourselves up and, and finding all of the ways that we could love God and love each other. But with that came all the pain. With that came all of the difficulty of being a human being. Because we were like, hey, well, I'm going to be a human being and practice at it. Oh, man, I'm not very good at this yet. <laughs> and that's what, that's what Lent was a lot about. We were getting ready because we wanted to have all of, the, of us be resurrected from the dead. We were looking towards, towards Easter and we were saying, no, I want all of this. Open up all of the doors. Don't let any part of me be separated from the resurrection life that is coming. And so if Lent was we need to feel it, the past six weeks has been, this is how it feels, y'all. This is what it's like to live in the spirit, to live with the resurrected Jesus among us. This is what it means to be alive in Christ. But darn it, if it ain't hard to. (laughs) What better way to celebrate the resurrection than to open up uh, uh, the, 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 the practice of all of the hard stuff that he said we should do. All of the hard stuff that if we, if we are free and, and accessing that resurrection life, we might actually be able to do something different than the way of the world. Hey, what's the kingdom of heaven like, Jesus? Oh, it's like this, and it's crazy different. It's crazy different. It, it, it does not compute. It is actually a new life. And so we're asking Jesus to shine a light in our darkness, in every corner of our heart, shine a light so that new life may grow, and then raise us up and and get us feeling what it feels like to be risen from the dead. A new life, not not so broken as we once were, uh, accessing more. So we've been aspiring. I, I like aspiring as a word because it has that spire in it, which is spirit. You know, an aspiration is like, can I get my passions up towards, you know, 
something really like brand new. I'm going to aspire to a life that is living into the, that hard stuff that Jesus gave us to do. We talked about um, kind of abundant generosity and uh, sacrificial love and um, forgiveness, all these things that, ooh, we're, we're sunk if we don't have the spirit to do that. So if, if life in the spirit is real, we want to practice it. We want to step out on the spirit as often as possible to, to aspire towards that, that amazing new world that Jesus is describing all the time in the Gospels. So today, let's take on enemy love. How do you love your enemies? What gets harder than that? I mean, do, Jesus doesn't define anything harder than enemy love, I think. Um, and because it is so hard and so new and so different than what we kind of default to, it's the most transformational for us and for the world. If we loved our enemies, uh, wow. So Jesus, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. All right, before we go any further, I just want to unpack a couple words in there. Yo, why are you so down on the IRS, Jesus? So tax collectors in context, these are the people that are uh, collaborating with the occupying Roman Empire they're kind of the sellouts of the Jewish culture. It's more than just the fact that they collect taxes. Uh, taxes might be able to be a good thing. All of my taxes go directly to the national parks. You know, that, that's how I justify it myself. Um, uh, another one, pagan. It's a, it, it's a word in, that, just, that has gotten on a lot of connotation over the years. Might mean, you might have like a negative connotation. And Jesus is a little negative about it there, but pagan just means other people. You know, people that aren't us. Um, so people that aren't chosen by God to have this mandate to love the world and bless the world, that's what the Israelites were chosen to do. Um, people that don't have the law, people that do whatever they want, eh, it's a little pejorative. Yeah, I get it. Um, and there was one more. Oh, perfect. Be perfect. Oh, man, that's too hard. Yep. Uh, but I was talking about it. I think I was talking about this last week, about perfect as a process. We are being perfected. Be complete is the, more the word that Jesus is u- using there. Be, um, compl- be like fulfilling your life's purpose. Do what you've been given to do. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was perfect because he obeyed the Father. That was the, that was the criteria for perfection. So those are the words. Now thinking about what Jesus is saying, the argument. You've heard it said, but I tell you. That's the thing that made all of the people that were listening to Jesus respond to him and say at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, ooh, this guy speaks with authority. Not like the scribes and, 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 the, and, the, and the, the lawyers. This guy speaks with authority. He's speaking from something in his gut. He's saying something new. He wasn't just rehashing old ideas. He was giving the old stuff its much fuller meaning. Hey, this is the perfection of the law. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 
That's that same kind of word as perfection, to complete it, to bring it to its fullness, to, to nourish it so that it flowers into the transformational world that God intended it for, to perfect it. God's love and law were blurry through the eyes and mouths of its human transmitters, and Jesus brought it into sharp focus, and people responded. I think this is the basic of it. This is the ba- he's making an argument here. He's not, just, he's not just making a decree. He's saying, hey, look at, look at how the world works. Doesn't the sun rise on the evil and the good? Doesn't rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous? What more endorsement do you need that God's love is for all? He set up the whole world. He set up the rising of the sun and how, how the water cycle works so that it blesses everyone, not just those who you think ought to be blessed. He makes it sound so simple. Uh, but as George MacDonald, who has been featured this week on the, the Daily Prayer Water blog, said, To those who are not simple, simple words are the most inexplicable of riddles. The folks who responded to Jesus' message were not the intellectual and religious elite. The people who were marveling at this new kind of gut-level interpretation that you've heard it said, but I tell you, they, they responded to that. Uh, they were simple folk. They heard Jesus' argument plainly. Well, why would God give all that good to all of creation if it wasn't God's intent to bless everyone? If God did not love them, why would the rain come upon them? Why, why, why couldn't rain work so that it just like, you know, cut people out? It, it, it could totally do that, you know, like in, if God's God. And well, why, why not? Why couldn't it just be totally different? Um, God is terrible at having enemies. Even in the Hebrew Bible, as, as much blood and guts happen in that book, or all those books put together, he, God is always providing for the people that he shouldn't be providing for. God, come on! And the psalmists, um, you know, they, they're reflecting on this, and they're saying, hey, <laughs> these evil people, they're, get, they're getting good stuff, and I'm trying to be good, and I'm not getting squat. What's going on with that? Like, you know, it's not, it's not so perfect as we would like it to be, because God is terrible at having enemies. God, God blesses the, 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 the people that he doesn't choose, you know? The, the Ishmael became a great nation. You know, he was the wrong son, you know, of the, of the, of the servant woman. You know what I'm talking about in, in, uh, in Genesis, Ishmael? Uh, Abraham's first son, who doesn't get the blessing? Doesn't become an enemy, though those nations that that came out of those sons become enemies later because they didn't see what God was doing. We're really good at that. We, we are great at having enemies. Uh, But Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Kind of taking it back. No, this is what I meant. Be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. Okay. (laughs) Uh, George McDonald is funny because he has this quote about simplicity, but he is so not simple. Uh, uh, I've been reading 
him a lot length, uh, recently, and he has these complex stories with super imaginative like mythologies. And he he wrote this book of sermons that I that I was reading, and um, they're they're just they're masterpieces of like kind of logic. And he's always having a conversation with some person that's not there. And like, oh wait, oh, okay, someone else is talking. You know, it's like it's it's hard to follow. Um, it's fairly unedited writing. You know, he could make it simpler, but he just loves words. Loves words. And I love words, too. Any word lovers? Just love words? Yeah, raise your hand, Joel. Come on. I was thinking of you. Okay, okay. Whatever. Words, you know. Here's a bunch of words that I want to read to you. Follow along. This is George MacDonald on a sermon called um, Love Thine Enemy. Is it then reasonable to love our enemies? God does. Therefore, it must be the highest reason. Pause. That's the whole argument. This is how God set it up, all right? But he says more. But it is reasonable to expect that humans should become capable of doing so. Yes, on the ground that the divine energy is at work in us to render at length human doing divine as God's nature is. For this our Lord prayed when he said that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Nothing could be less likely to human judgment. Our Lord knows that one day it will come. Why should we love our enemies? The deepest reason for this we cannot put in words, for it lies in the absolute reality of their being, where our enemies are of one nature with us, even of the divine nature. Into this we cannot see, save as into a dark abyss. But we can adumbrate something of the form of this deepest reason if we let the thoughts of our heart move upon the faces of the dim profound. Yeah, I had to look up adumbrate too. It means indicate faintly. It's kind of like going to class sometimes, reading George MacDonald. So if that's just way too much, fine. But I think he's making a great point in, in describing, yo, this is the design that God had for humanity. This is the prayer. This is the direction that God had was that I, Jesus is speaking, that I would be in them and they would be in me as, as I am in you and you are in me. This connection that, that Jesus has with the Father would be also that, that we have with Jesus and we're all going to be together in God. So if all human beings have that purpose, if that's what they're made for, then we can't be separated from them because they're united to us in Christ. The love of Christ makes them one with us no matter what we think about them. That's a great reason to love someone, to love your enemy. But it is dark. I like that. I like that image of a doombrate and this dark abyss, this deep profound that we're looking into. We're, try, we're trying to agree with Jesus, but if we're honest, it just, it doesn't always ring true. It's like, occasionally it's like, oh, this is what it's like to love your enemies. I actually want to do this right now. And like, I'm going to like do the Jesus thing. You know, that, that happens sometimes. But, but a lot of times it's just like, let me just curse these people out and watch TV. I don't know. Just, we gotta, gotta just get this out of my mind and, and do the wrong thing and, and forget about it. Um, 
but we know it. I think, I think you know it. I think you know the deep profound. I think you have some experience of that kind of connection with your fellow human beings, even your enemies. So occasionally that, that flashes through and you, you've experienced a love for enemies that was just natural. Oh, yeah, they're probably having a bad day. Oh, I, I guess I can understand that. You know, I, I, think, I, think that you, I think that you know that at some level. Because that's, that's kind of how we are. We're not made for enemies. That, that's not who God made us to be. David Grossman, um, he's not up there, wrote a book in 1996 called On Killing, The Psychological Cost of Learning to Kill in War and Society. We're reading books today, all right? That's a long title. I didn't read the book. I read an article about it. Uh, Grossman was at the time a lieutenant colonel in the Army and a psychologist and a former Army Ranger and paratrooper. And, and Grossman was committed to helping the U.S. military become more effective in fighting wars. He revealed that the, the Army has to train its members to kill because most people do not want to kill other human beings. Research proved this. He, he cited a study conducted by the Army after World War II that discovered that in combat, only 15 to 20% of soldiers fired their weapons at all. And, um, and an even smaller percentage, percentage fired to kill. All of these bullets and not as many people dead as ought to have been dead from them. The army uh, then changed its combat training to desensitize soldiers to the humanity of the enemy by using images as target practice instead of bullseyes. You've got to get used to killing a human being, so look that person in the face. And I, I saw another article where they, they actually create targets that are, are catered to the enemy that you expect, you know, where they're training uh, soldiers in Africa. The person has a, an African face where they're changing our soldiers. We mostly kill Middle Eastern people. So they have a, they even do like photos, you know, so it looks like a real person. You have to get used to killing. They also um, realized that uh, camaraderie among soldiers was, was super important. They really had to love the guy next to him because that love was much more powerful uh, a force to get them to kill. They wouldn't kill to protect themselves, but they would kill to protect the man next to them that they loved. And so they developed training to develop that kind of camaraderie. Um, they, they knew that love was a powerful force. And, and, and the problem was it worked. Not too much long, longer later, uh, during the Korean War, 55% of the infantrymen fired their weapons and 90 to 95% fired them in Vietnam. Most of us do not want to kill our fellow human beings. This is how humans are. Even if our nation has designated them as enemies, we must be trained to do it. Loving our enemies is more natural than we've been taught. The military strategy to increase its lethality was partly based on love. We won't kill to protect ourselves. We will kill to protect the person we love. But it's not just soldiers who are trained to hate the enemy. We get this story for ourselves, too, those of us that aren't soldiers ourselves. How much political rhetoric is aimed at, at, at hate and fear? 
how often are we reminded that the terrorists are coming, that the immigrants are coming, that the world is dangerous and we have to support the troops? The government spends millions of dollars on getting that message out. We have to believe. We have to be trained to support this madness. It doesn't compute with who we are as human beings. We must be trained. You know, for example, why in the world was 24 so dang popular? It was not a good show. I didn't like the show. If you like the show, it's fine. Here's why, though. It came, it came out November 6, 2001, y'all. Two months after 9-11. We needed this story. We needed the bad guys to get got. And it was only going to take a day. So if we are going to love our enemies, we have our work cut out for us. If we want to actually do what Jesus taught us to do, if we want, to, if we want love to rule us, even over the training we have received about our enemies, we must practice. We must pray. We must decide to love no matter what. And God will honor our best efforts and make us perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. Because love destroys enmity. That's like eneminess, enmity. That's just, that's just what it does. You can count on it. The power in you is greater than the power that is in the world. Your love, united with God's love, and our love can cast out fear and hatred that continually wraps its tendrils around your heart. Enemy love is a way to to root out all that is not love within you. Oh, I'm, you want me to love? I'm a really love. This is what Jesus knows. If, you, if you're going to love someone at all, you're going to need to build up love inside of you so that you could even love an enemy. If you want to love your child well, you should love your enemies. If you want to love your spouse well, well, they're, they're, they're your enemy half the time anyway, so you're, you're going to need to love. And, and, and this project that Jesus is signing us up for, uh, it's a group project. And it works in community where everyone is going for it. Like it, it, we, we actually create a place where, where forgiveness and love reign. Not perfectly, but, but it happens better when everyone's on it. You know, My job is to, to kill all that is in, within me that is not love and find everything in you that is love. I'm calling it out of you, and I'm working on myself. This is what Jesus talks about all the time. You know, pull that plank out of your own eye. Deal with yourself. I'll deal with them. And so, but I can trust then that you are rooting out the love that's within you. We have this group project about it. That's a reason to be at church, because we're all, we can trust each other. You know, at least that's the basic operating principle, is that we're going to love our enemies and work on making love the center of who we are. Finding the unlovely in others is so much more easy, though, right? So much more comfortable than looking at our own unloveliness, which is what we we need to do if we're going to do this project. We must choose to do what we were made for, though. We're made to love. And love really is contagious. My mother-in-law has a dog named Dixie, and she's a basset hound that was in a puppy mill. And so she had a bunch of puppies too fast. So she has her, like, mammary skin 
hanging off underneath her belly, and it's totally gross. Like, hangs on the ground. Sometimes it, like, gets scabbed up, you know, because it's, like, rubbing on the ground, this poor dog. Uh, she actually has, like, a, a strap that she wears sometimes when she goes on a walk. You know, stupid. I hate, I mean, I, I want to hate the people that did that to her in the puppy mill. You know, that, those are some enemies I could find pretty easy. I only love them. But, uh, but my mother-in-law loves this dog. She loves it. She loves dogs in general. I mean, she's going to. She's going to make you love dogs if you're, if, you're, if you're present. If you are in her presence, you will love dogs. Does anyone have, like, crazy, ugly dogs that you've known that their owner just loves them so much that then you're like, oh, man, I guess I do like this dog. <laughs> I mean, that mammary skin just totally grosses me out, but come here, baby. You know, your ears are so soft. Love is contagious. Love wins. It, it, it has power to transform. It, it moves us. It makes us. Um, and, and we want to live in that love. And I'm running out of time, so I've got to say, though, we're going to be tempted to um, not love, of course. And I, I, mean, I don't even know if I've gotten practical yet. This might just be a rah-rah so far of like, yo, love. Isn't it great? Yeah, there are things that don't want to love, but that's not us, you know? Like, okay, but how, you know? I'm not going to answer that completely. But I do want to acknowledge that we will be tempted to not love, like, all the time, like you are right now. Like, whatever I'm saying that didn't hit you the right way, you can decide not to love me. You know, that's fine. No, it's not. Love me, please. <laughs> um, I might have said something to offend you, though. The only way we're going to get through it is you have to come tell me about it, and I'll, and, and I'll ask for your forgiveness. Um, but, but here's, the, here's, the, here's the, the, I think, the, the biggest, like, kind of most logical, best reason not to love, maybe, you know? The, the most compelling argument against the argument that I'm making and that Jesus is making is justice, you know? Because not everyone is in on this project. Not every, I can't trust that person to be rooting out the love in them, or the not lovely in them. It's hard, if they're just running around after evil... Um, Aren't we just going to get run over? Who will set things right if I don't set things right? How will I confront an enemy who oppresses me or someone I love or, or oppresses someone I love if I cannot have them as an enemy? It's a very useful thing for galvanizing a group. We could we could change the whole world. We could just make the right enemies together. I think that world history has proven the the fallacy of that thought process. It's just a just a perpetual seesaw of who's in power and who's deciding who the enemies are. But it's sure tempting every time. It's, there, it, ha, it has another kind of resonance, that argument. Oh, yeah, but it seems to make sense. I think it makes sense. And it's, it's hard to, to get with the Jesus logic, to get with this new kingdom logic. Uh, how will we organize, rally, and take down the entrenched powers if we have to love those who are doing so much harm? I think it's a really good question, and we could probably answer it better together than I can. So I'll end with this exhortation from Paul in Ephesians. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You might read this and emphasize the struggle against evil forces. There are some enemies that we can have. And yes, there are non-human enemies that make our capacity for hatred and fear much more powerful than they ought to be. 
there are things in this world pushing us towards destruction, things that are that are not human. Uh, but I want to I want to emphasize the first part because that's more like our project. We're not against flesh and blood. That's the, I think that's actually what Paul is saying in Ephesians. This is an attack on. They're like, no, we're not against flesh and blood. We're not coming at you. We're not against you. We're trying to take take down that that has gotten a hold of you that's trying to destroy and degrade love. Love is our weapon that frees those people, those potential enemies, from the same tendrils of hate and fear that we know are growing up inside of us. That's our weapon to take it down. We're in the same boat, and love is the only way out. We're not against you, even if we're against what you do. You know, making that distinction is very hard, and figuring out how to do it well, you know, let's get good at it, please, but that's the project. I don't know, I don't know exactly. I know it will be hard. We're wounded. Our wounds run deep. We were singing that at the beginning with Gina's song. And yes, they do. It will take a long time to unravel some of these tendrils that are wrapped around our sense of, of justice. They're even wrapped around our love, and, and, that, and that love could be shifted to like be a, a, a motivation to kill, you know? Um, or at least to lash out, at least to protect, at least to build up walls. Yeah, we're wounded. Those wounds run deep. And they, they sometimes wrap around the, the very sense of who we are as, as human beings. I can't, I can't not be this person's enemy because that's kind of who I am. It's very easy to form an identity in opposition. It's the easiest way to form an identity. Uh, well, we want to get beyond that. We want to go deeper and get down to that place that resonates. Yes, this is what a human being is, one who loves, one who is made to be united with the love of Jesus and united then with the whole world, with all that God loves. So we gather like this to, to make that true, that we are in Jesus just as Jesus is in the Father. Let's pray that the, the Holy Spirit power that we've collected right here in this room will move mightily among us. Jesus, there's a resonance. There's a, a twinge of recognition. There's a glimmer of understanding in each person here when you say, love your enemies. Holy Spirit, pump that up. Amplify that sound. Make it brighter. Make it our mantra. Make it our, mo- our motto, our mode of being in the world. May our love destroy enmity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.